we're going to hell together on this one, bitch. <laughs> what are we doing today, Mark? Um, so, uh, we're, uh, what are we doing today? We're, you know, having a nice chat as friends. Yep, we, And then we're doing, um, uh, sorry, I'm distracted by your, uh, your lime earrings. Oh, well, this is actually a lemon. Oh, is it? It looks like uh, a lime. It's well, it's yellow. Um and then this one is a lollipop. Oh, yes, I see that now. Um and I'll tell you what. Uh do you remember uh the story about me making out with that girl for 20 bucks? Uh Yep. Yep. Uh I don't know if that story's been told on the podcast, but there you go. Uh <laughs> I think it has, yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Mission accomplished. Uh which is like apparently is my catchphrase tonight. Um I was wearing this <laughs> earring uh at that bar and that girl the first thing she said to me was um, is that a lime? Because like you love tequila. Should I buy you a shot of tequila? And then I said, <laughs> no, it's a lemon. <laughs> Instead of saying, yes, please buy me a shot. Uh, at least you didn't say, you know, it's 11 cause I love candy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do fucking love candy. <clears throat> I know. I was kind of expecting that that was where it was going to go. Yeah. Uh, no. Anyway, we're here for, uh, part two of our of our top 20s right and what is the top what is the top 20 thing mark because if you're listening you may uh distantly remember a twitter trend from four months ago (laughs) yeah you know it's just you know a fun little you know everyone loves a good social media list where you get to share a little bit about yourself and learn about your friends Uh um you know whether it's on live journal or myspace or Mm -hmm. Uh, or whatever platform throughout the years. Uh, and so this is just, you know, a list of uh, 20 of our favorite songs without duplicating artists. Correct. Um, and I've, I took the opportunity to uh, make it into a, a bit of a uh, journey through my musical experience. Correct. Um, and which is what a lot of song sandwich guests uh try to do in just three songs which is you know absurd and insane but (laughs) kind of works with 20 (laughs) it kind of works with 20 but also like not really (laughs) i think that like 40 i could probably accomplish like a a comprehensive ish overview of my musical vocabulary 20 is still tough yeah i would i would have liked 30 but yeah you know um now you so you took a, a chronological approach. Uh I took a throw everything at the wall approach. Um sort of trying to pick things that I hadn't talked about a lot on previous episodes, um, but that is um not necessarily true all the way through. Um uh, yep. but we are gonna talk about a song by a recent guest today. <laughs> yeah. That'll be fun. Uh, I can't wait to cut some stuff out of that conversation. <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, yeah, Never meet your so, heroes. Um, if you uh, if you missed part one, uh, you may want to go back and listen, uh, or not. Up to you. You can experience this podcast however you want, uh, and I'll never know about it, and so I won't have to you know feel any way about your decision making. 
Mark, you're doing a great job of, of, of hearing yourself to the listener right now. Um, but yeah, in the previous episode, we talked about Rage Against the Machine, and Mark revealed that uh, your favorite song as a child was Red Light Special uh, by yeah. TLC. I talked about Weird Al and Crass, uh, uh, a normal thing to put together. Um, but uh, yeah, we got we got 10 more uh, hot cookies coming out of the oven right now. Yeah. I went first last time, so I want you you to go first this time. Uh, okay, so how long did we? What was our uh, timer last time? I think it was like eight minutes. Eight? Why did we choose eight minutes? What's wrong with us? I don't know. You chose it, and I said okay. Yeah, fair enough. Um, all right, let me. Well, yeah, let's do eight minutes. Um, and <laughs> Mark, should we should we bust out some sound effects? Uh, if you want to, were they hard to edit? Uh, no, 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 no. Okay. Um, okay. I'm not going to tell you not to be silly on a on an episode with no guest. That oh, okay. would be, you know, bad podcasting. That would be bad podcasting. Um, uh, 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 no. Why isn't it going? I don't it's know. going live. What the fuck? Mark, did you fuck this up? Uh, did I fuck this up? The thing that you're doing? Oh, okay. okay. Well, I think we're, okay. There's Here some applause. All right. What's yeah. your first song, Clover? Oh, their first song is called Decepticon. It's by La Tigre.
Uh, Mark, do you like La Tigre? Um, uh, if I do, it's not because of this song. Oh, okay, cool. Um, cause <laughs> <laughs> what an interesting take, because I would say most people would say that this is their best song, so I think that you do not like this band. Um, but I really like this band. Um, where are you familiar? Are you a Kathleen Hanna fan? What do you know about La Tigre? Um, not a lot. I know that we talked about a different Le Tigre song in a recent One Tree Hill episode. Yes, we talked about TKO in the episode where there's a fight at the pep rally. Um, but So here's the deal with Le Tigre. So Kathleen Hanna is in Bikini Kill, uh, one of the progenitors of Riot Girl. Um, of course. Bikini Kill breaks up, and she starts this band called Le Tigre, um, which I think is the best of her projects. Uh, sorry, Bikini Kill and Julie Ruin fans. Um, but it is, uh, you know, it is like this. Uh, it has, like, some drum machines and some vaguely electronic elements although as we have complained about on the one tree hill episode a thing that they do later in their career is they just write drum parts but don't have a drummer um and a thing that i like about um decepticon and this album as a whole is how um the drum machine tends to get used like a drum machine if that makes sense um Hmm. they're not necessarily just writing drum parts and having a drum machine play it um this one is is a a little bit more on the it's a drum part side of the spectrum but there's like some cool like orchestra hits or whatever and uh Mm -hmm. it's just a rip-roaring good time um i love this song i saw la tigre live last summer and had a fantastic time they were really fun i love this band um mark does not what's your beef mark um my beef is that this song is in a lot of commercials. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> and so I think my primary beef is overexposure. Sure. I think the other place that I heard this song a lot was uh um at the uh at the Asylum 80s dance night that used to be a uh, a popular uh Thursday night activity in the the Portland underground music scene. Oh, okay. Um, cool. Didn't know about that. This song was played a lot there. Yeah. And, you know, it just uh, it doesn't quite work for me. I think maybe if it wasn't, if there wasn't the uh, the commercial overexposure aspect, sure. I would I would be a little more into it. Because there are, like, there are some fun nuances that I noticed listening to it. Yeah, like what? <laughs> I don't know, like some of the, like, like the little orchil- orchestral hits that you were talking about, and some yeah, of the, the I don't really parts. know what to call those other than orchestra hits, but it's not really what it is. Yeah. It's almost like an overblown like record scratch or something, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, do you know what the song is about? Uh, not exactly. No, uh, this is specifically about uh, no FX. Okay. Uh, and Kathleen Hanna's beef with them, um, which I have done, I would say, like mild research on um, years ago. So I will probably get details about this wrong. But the story that, as I understand it, is um, the Tigre or maybe late Bikini Kill, I don't know which one, um, had a show get canceled while they were in Hawaii. No effects found out and said, do you want to open the show? Um, because we're, we were also playing in Hawaii on the same night, I guess. Um what a weird coincidence. Um, and apparently 
it was not a good experience uh i that's that's what i remember reading um uh and i have read fat mike's retort against the song uh where he says he says i don't know what she's complaining about we gave her a show what else could you want um but he also uh you know has a song called Kill Rockstars about the label Kill Rockstars, where the chorus is, can't change the world by hating men. So, I don't know, dude. Um, what do you think about all that, Mark? Um, uh, you know, I've never cared for no effects, so yeah. that seems fine. Yeah, I uh, I would say the older I get and the more trans I get, the more estrogen takes over my body uh the less i enjoy no effects does that make sense um <coughs> uh yes and no but okay sure sure i mean uh try taking estrogen and then let me know how you feel about it sweetie <laughs> um I suspect that I just may be not interested in uh, Kathleen Hanna's vocals. You know, I think that is also totally legit. Um, I think there are other Latigre songs where I find her, um, and it's specifically Latigre. Like, I. I'm not like a huge Bikini Kill fan, but I usually like her vocals in Bikini Kill. But there are some Latigre songs where I find whatever she's doing like a little grating. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah. There's like a kind of like like sing songy, like it's not like whiny, but maybe it's a little whiny. I don't know. It has this kind of like bubblegum pop thing that like can feel like much sometimes, which is also the point. But you know, yeah, and it's hard to criticize it without like. Stepping into tropes of like shrillness or whatever, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, um but it, I mean, it is also like not that this is the point we're making, but like legit to have like a a preference on like aesthetic grounds, obviously. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, but there is like a, um, I think like a range of her voice that she exploits more in La Tigre than she does in other bands. You know. So that's some stuff about La Tigre. Um, I like this album a lot. Uh, I think the other two records are also good, but I think this is the one to go to. Um, I really like the song Hot Topic. I like the song about Cassavetes. Um, there are some other songs on this record that I like whose names I am forgetting. Um, should they do another tour, it is worth seeing them. I had a very fun time. Uh, Come Girl 8 opened. <laughs> and they, um, were, all, they were very is good. Is that as in uh, there were seven other Come Girls or uh, <laughs> or a past participle of uh, eat? Uh, uh, as, oh, as in that there were seven other Come Girls. Okay. Um, they do spell it with the number, right? So it's come girl number eight, uh, all okay. one word, all lowercase. If that matters to you, Mark. Um, it, it does. Okay, cool. I and I'll also tell you, why. 
I'll also tell you that at the La Tigre show, uh, my ex-girlfriend was there and she texted me uh, afterwards and said, were you at the La Tigre show? And I left her on red. Mark, what song is next? Um, I, I had one. I had another question about La Tigre. If oh, that's yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, would you dance to this song? Me personally? Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, I okay. did. Okay. That That's like a thing you would enjoy doing. This is a, a type of music that makes you want to dance. Yeah. Okay. Does it not make you want to dance? No, not at all. And I think that's part of the, the other part of the problem is that I heard it at a dance night and I did not want to dance to it. Oh, okay. Interesting. Um, yeah, I, I, I will, I have and will continue to dance to this kind of thing, which probably makes sense because I'm in a band that sort of sounds like this. Uh, and, mm-hmm. uh, the whole thing is that you dance. So, you know. Gotcha. What song's next? Uh, what is next? Uh, next is, uh, let me get my other playlist up. Uh, next is uh, the song um, Gennesaret by Anathalo. We looked hard, I stood on the bottom, callous tip, toes splintering wood.
album floating world but really it's uh the first three songs because they're like kind of a suite and really it's the whole album just listen to that whole album uh it's amazing um what do you like i showed you this band once right you you have yeah um you sent them to me a couple times then one time uh we hung out and we watched a live video yeah and it was a good time Um, so this is my like uh this is the root of my interest in uh like chamber pop or whatever. Mhm. Um uh I learned about this band because uh my friend my friend Jenna who has maybe come up before uh gave me uh like a mix CD on my birthday uh every year for a few years. That is so sweet. And uh, she put a different song from this album on there uh, because she saw them open for Brand New in Montreal. Interesting. Um, and it's kind of, you wouldn't ex- you wouldn't listen to this album and think, oh yeah, this band is opening for Brand New. Right, that's why I said interesting. Um, but it happened. Uh, <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> um, I think... Uh, Another song that was on one of my birthday compilations from Jenna that we've talked about is uh, the ska classic Watch Out for the Squirrels. Oh, um, uh, <laughs> who is that by? It's by a band called The Devil Plays Doctor on Tuesday. Oh, totally. Yeah. Oh, have you talked to them about... To, 
<laughs> talked to me about them before? Yeah, I brought them up on my first episode, and okay. uh, and on their last f like when they show up on Last FM, it's just me <laughs> listening, and so the album that the song is attributed to is called like Birthday CD Volume One. That's right. Okay, I to- I do remember this. <laughs> but uh shout outs to my friend jenna uh she's a huge afi fan she should come on and talk to you oh about i would love to talk about afi it's crazy i did i didn't put afi in any of my top 20 yeah wow um yeah so this band uh reasons that i like this band uh it's huge there's uh like nine to eleven people in it um and a lot of different instruments uh you know there are people whose responsibilities are like primarily glockenspiel and trombone yeah and that's a fun combo uh there's uh in the video we watched there was a lot of very aggressive stomp clap guy yeah there's a lot of stomp clap uh you know extra extra drums that maybe aren't necessary but it was the era, baby. You know, it's like a, it's like Freak Folk Slipknot in a way. <laughs> <laughs> it is like Freak Folk Slipknot. That's so cute, Mark. Um, but I also think that like the songs are really beautifully written. Um, the drummer on this album is absolutely amazing, although it's not showcased on this song at all. Um, I, I like what they do with backing vocals and multiple you know counter melodies happening that was a you know like a bridge from taking back sunday to this yeah for me um no i was gonna get distracted talking about taking back sunday but we don't have to do that right now i uh i saw this band in like 2008 at the uh the alston church the alston church oh oh yeah like the alston church where like all the hardcore shows happen yeah um i don't remember who opened other than fly upright kite um someone the headliner was like a solo version of some famous punk but i don't remember who it was Okay. Chuck Reagan. Let's say it was Chuck Reagan. Who's that? He was from Hot Water Music. I don't think that's it. Maybe it was Tim Barry. <laughs> Who knows? Um, but uh, that was like, I'd say that show and uh, the Me Without You show that I went to that we've talked about are like yeah. the two most like, two of the best concert experiences I've ever had in terms of like seeing a band that I already knew i loved playing songs that i knew i loved uh do you think would you have loved that performance if you didn't know them beforehand i think so yeah it was like the sound was good and like it was spot on and it was it had like it had the communal energy i love that for you mark yeah it was great <laughs> um you know there are a lot of bands that i have loved and not seen either because i you know learned about them after they broke up or yeah whatever ain't uh, that so always I'm, the way and this band did not stay together for 
especially long. They only had one more album. So. Yeah, they've been broken for what, like ten plus years now. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, um, and their other album is good too. I don't like it quite as much. Um, it's not the cool thing about this album. Uh, this album, Floating World, is that it's like a bunch of sweets, and so Yum. it kind of feels like you know it doesn't feel like ten distinct songs. It's like four pieces, but it's thirteen tracks or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, Mark, can I ask you a question? Sure. Okay. Can you hear me? I can. Oh, okay. Cool. Because I feel like I've been making like a lot of great jokes. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> and uh, you've just been ignoring them. So I just assumed that I was like, "Hey, hey is this thing on?" Well, you know, I only have eight minutes. I want to make sure. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, but you yeah. know, you could at least acknowledge me a yeah. little bit. Taste. Yeah. It is a. It, it is a sweet treat. <laughs> um. Thank you. Um, yeah. I thought you wanted to use your uh, whole eight minutes, and, dude. Well, you know, I wanted to give you a chance to, you know, <laughs> say what you think about the song. Oh, I, whether, I, whether quite, you're interested. I quite enjoy this song quite a bit. Um, how many times can I say the word quite in that sentence? Um, I think that the ending piano part is like very haunting and beautiful. And I think this band has a nice kind of like, um, like short version of like swell core music or like crescendo core music. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, and I like that this band can do that and I don't have to listen to it for 80 minutes to get through, uh, you know, half of a record or whatever. Yeah. Um, so good pick Mark. Are you ready for our next song? All right, this is a little tune that I like to call uh I like to call it by its title. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, nobody will know what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> um but I call this song <laughs> Jesus Christ, let me just go kill myself. Uh, uh this song is called Fatal Flaw by the band Titus Andronicus. Break when she sees my capability. 
and uh, this is one of my very, very favorite bands, and it's one of my very, very favorite songs by them. And here's my controversial Titus Andronicus take. This is on their best album, which is called The Most Lamentable Tragedy. It's their triple album concept rock opera about uh mental illness um, right. you've you've said this at least three times already <laughs> on this podcast and i will continue to say it uh because nobody agrees with me everybody's always like it's all about the monitor and it's like sweetie half of the monitor is very good um just saying uh and and everybody's like it's a concept album about the civil war and it's like it's not really about the civil war he just like mentions a couple civil war things every now and then <laughs> the point is the most lamentable tragedy is the best song <laughs> the best album in the Titus Andronicus discography. Um, and I think this song fucks. Uh, do you like the song, Mark? Uh, yeah. Hell yeah. I, I, um, I've never listened to Titus Andronicus, and I think maybe I thought they were a gnarlier band than they are. No. Uh, I was, exp- I was surprised by how melodic and like poppy it was. Yeah, yeah, totally. He is like has like nothing but pop punk roots. Um and then I at some point was like I love Bruce Springsteen and the Rolling Stones. <laughs> you know? Okay, yeah. I guess I think it's the the Bruce Springsteen is what caught me off guard. Sure. Cuz I was just like expecting a punk band. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Um, they, I, I've seen them many times and they despite having a lot of punk energy feel much more like a rock band like a capital r rock band um, okay if that makes sense um do you know who does the string arrangements on this song mark i do not who is it's it owen pallet oh good old owen pallet good old owen pallet he's back uh to do string arrangements um and uh that's great for him because he he's good at what he does he should be getting work everybody hire owen pa- i'm sure he's doing fine work-wise <laughs> <laughs> shout out somebody that i don't really know personally um so uh yep uh i think the song fucks i love the lyrics uh i love the little piano parts i think there's like a fucking awesome guitar solo that is like so over the top that it's funny um, you got a super hooky chorus. Yeah. I, uh, I like the, uh, I like the pre-chorus according to, uh, the genius, uh, labels of the structure. Is the, the I assume that the pre-chorus is the part that's like... Like, made it to the drugstore right on time? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, hell yeah. Um, I've seen Titus Andronicus many times. Um, and the first, the very first time I saw them was before this album came out. And um, they played this song. And I remember him beforehand trying to explain the plot of the album. And uh, eventually he just went... So, like, this is when the narrator, like, wants to tell his special someone a little something about himself. But it's, like, a little weird. <laughs> um, and then uh, then they played it. And I was like, I think I love this band. Um, and did you notice, Mark, that uh, this has artist-verified annotations? Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah. So he, <laughs> Patrick Stickles, <laughs> went through and annotated it himself, which I think is so fucking funny. Nice. 
Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think I think this this song is so damn good. Um, I love to rock. Uh, I like that uh, they all say. Uh, well, apparently, apparently, according to the lyrics, they all shout Eric. Um, oh no, that's before they start. Mm. Uh, but they all say she. You know, right at the beginning. I think that it's cool. A lot of good energy in this song, don't you think? Yeah. Yeah, it kind of makes me think of uh, that Jeff Rosenstock song that I like. Um. Oh, uh, um, Wave Goodbye to Me? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Um. Yeah, there's been a long history of Cheap City attempting to write a song that does what this song does, and um, we've gotten close. There's an unreleased song, uh, Mark, uh, hmm. called Tim Foil um that uh is basically us trying to do this <laughs> okay uh yeah um have you have i showed you that song uh i'm not sure okay i'll send i'll send it to you it's been mixed and mastered for i don't know a year hmm. we're just sitting on it interesting what are we gonna do with it i don't know uh, just kidding. It's going to be on a split seven inch with Idaho Green sometime next year. Cool. Um, yeah. So that's what I have to say about that, Mark. I think you should listen to this whole record. Okay, I will. Um, I actually I would recommend uh, I think the Monitor, Local Business, and this album are very good. Um, okay. I think I thought this band was older than it was. I was surprised to see that they like first album was in 2008. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um I think that like part of the thing with this band is like the Monitor was so big that they kind of like immediately became like a legacy band, if that makes sense. Okay. Um cuz like the first time I saw them would have been 2000 13 or something so like really early in their career like all things considered and there was already kind of an air about them of like like you know you're this is like a big deal that you're seeing them kind of thing if that makes sense yeah yeah um but yeah i think uh their records post this uh are kind of hit or miss i think the last one is not fantastic um but uh I think that he is like at his best when he is trying to do something creatively insane. Um, like with this uh-huh. record, I think it really brought out a lot of interesting ideas in him that he just hasn't really lived up to in my opinion. Yeah. It's extremely on brand that your favorite album is the, the three, <laughs> three part, five part rock opera. Oh really? Is that on brand for me? <laughs> yeah. Um, if you have the chance to buy this on vinyl, by the way, uh, I highly recommend it. It's a very different listening experience. Um, and, uh, yeah, it comes in a cool, uh, triple gatefold. Um, don't see a lot of those. All right, Mark. No, you don't. I know, I know you're always <laughs> saying that to me about triple gatefolds. No, Mark, what's next? Anyone. Uh, next up, we have uh, a song that we're going to see... That by the time this comes out, we will have uh, experienced life. It's uh, Mondrian Was a Liar by Botch. <laughs> 
hell yeah uh what what tell me about botch what's your what's your botch story um so talking about bands that uh, i've never seen because got into them after they broke up uh you'll remember from uh part one of the top 20 uh the story about how i ended up uh taking guitar lessons from guitarist from the cambiata um a band band that he told me about uh based on my love for every time i die was botch and i was like yeah this is amazing uh but sadly uh at that point they had already been broken up for like four years yeah um but this album uh we are the romans is really good uh, if you're into, you know, classic turn-of-the-century metalcore, this is a pillar of the genre. Yeah. Um, Botch is a, uh, a Seattle band. And so um, a fun thing about Botch is that, like, a lot of their early shows were with Modest Mouse. And do you know who else? And the Blood Brothers, I assume, are involved there, too? Yes. Do you know that there is a Blood Brothers slash Botch supergroup from the early 2000s? I did not know that. Yeah, it's called Nine Iron Spitfire. Okay. Um, And it is really mostly just kind of like Botch with Morgan from the Blood Brothers, but... Okay. Yeah. But worth checking out. Cool band. Yeah. Um... uh, the guitar player from Botch uh, famously went on to be uh, one of the guitar players in Minus the Bear, if you care about that band. Yes. Um, I There are a few songs of theirs that I like, but I find them a little somehow disappointing knowing what he did before. Sure. Yeah, there is... Um I'm I'm very excited to see Botch. And I'm not, not like a huge Botch fan, to be honest. Um, but I am really excited to see them because I expect that the energy of this band is going to be like insane. Yeah, I think the energy of this show is going to be really good because the other two bands playing are, you know, <laughs> hometown heroes that have been going strong the whole time. And, you know, Converge shows are notorious for being crazy energy right um, and also caven is like you know it's caven <laughs> yeah and i i i wonder if they're going to play like more early caven material since it's like botch doing old botch songs right that's what i would like as a as a big um oh what's the name of that first album um american nervoso no, the the first Cave In album. Oh, I I don't know. <laughs> I just tried to. I typed in Cave In, but I actually typed in Dave In. It's uh, I ordered it from Bull Moose several years ago, and it took so long to. It took like two months for the CD come in. It's called Until uh, Your Heart Stops. Yes, great album. Uh, yeah. So I hope. I hope that's what Kevin does. You know, I need to, uh, there's one Converge album that I really like and I need to become more familiar with the rest of it so that I have a better chance of recognizing more songs. 
Yeah, I've never been a huge Converge fan. Um, I have listened through the discography a few times um, and never heard anything that I was like kind of losing my mind about. But I think that'll be a fun show. I've always kind of wanted to see them because it feels like a band you should go see if you can, right? Yeah. The album of theirs that I really love is You Fail Me. Yes. That was uh, the one that Jacob Baddick told me to check out. And uh, I think that's like the first seven songs on that or whatever are pretty perfect. Um, The drummer in my old band uh, has a big You Fail Me tattoo, maybe on his leg. It is a, a pretty cool album cover. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I mean, Converge always has good artwork, I think. Except for, I think, I don't like the artwork for Jane Doe, but. Yeah, I think, I think the simplicity of the, of the You Fail Me cover is kind of, stands out in their catalog is. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, no, absolutely. It has a real, like, kind of unforgettable, like the, um. The Godspeed, the the literally skinny fist thing. Maybe something about hands. Yeah, yeah. There's also a a low album called Trust that's just a hand. Oh, that I really like. Um. Yeah, but I th- anyway, uh, but I like Botch. Um, and uh, again, I sorry to once again drop from the Blood Brothers. Well, um, but uh. I just bought the um, the reissue of Burn Piano Island Burn, uh, which has this kind of like zine. Uh, it has like a bunch of interviews with the band and stuff, and there's like a kind of like a his, uh, history of the band up to this point thing. And at one point, I think Jordan is saying like, "Botch was the band that I saw and like realized that I could be like a skinny artsy kid and be in a hardcore band. Like I didn't have to be like like a bro or whatever." Um, so yeah yeah um uh it we can't talk about botch without talking about the uh the pete wentz beef oh okay tell me about that because this is news to me (laughs) oh so there's another there's another song on this botch album uh uh called c thomas howell as the soul man uh which is a song about how uh race trader made terrible music and we're just like riding on their politics to hide the fact that their band was they were just like using fashionable politics to get famous in the scene or whatever okay but their music was garbage and so there's a line that's like uh at one point he's like the the worst sound i ever heard is something that he screams and it's supposedly describing race traders music Wow. Um, I always forget that Pete Wentz, um, like, had a career pre-Fallout Boy. Yeah, he was a, you know, a drummer in an extremely principled hardcore band, and then uh, left with, there. I don't remember, I think I read something about, like, he left maybe in disgrace in some way but started fallout boy with the explicit goal of like making a sellout pop band and getting famous um wait hold on i have a question i have a quick question 
Someone Pete Wentz's Wikipedia page, and there's nothing about him ever being in Race Trader. Interesting. Um, he was in Arma Angelus. There used to be a lot about him being the drummer for Race Trader on there. Um, that's because oh, interesting. Okay, I'm sorry. He is in Race. He was in Race Trader, but like. Um. Oh, I guess it is. Uh, it is on his Wikipedia page, but it's kind of like buried. And it says, by the mid nineteen nineties, he became an infrequent race player for Race Trader. Okay. Um. Interesting. Uh, you want to talk about the next song? Sure. Oh. Okay. Well, Mark, we got there. It's time for the Get Hustle cover of Another One Bites the Dust. And you know, I'm I'm actually kind of at a loss for what to say about this because I um, specifically talked a lot about this song to um, the singer from Get Hustle on a previous episode. So tell me, Mark, Mark, what do you think about this song? Um, you know, this is a a pretty interesting like uh, free jazz noise, you know, exercise. Yeah, totally. I love a I love a wacky cover. 
I love a wacky cover. So let me talk about this album uh, that it's on, which I've sure. talked about many times on the podcast, I assume. But uh, so this is a, a compilation called, uh, it's called Dynamite with a Laser Beam. It was put together by Justin Pearson from The Locust. Uh, and it's a bunch of bands doing really fucking bonkers covers of Queen songs. Um, uh, here we go. It's the Blood Brothers again. They opened the album with Under Pressure. <laughs> um have you heard that cover before, Mark? Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, you should check it out. It's um, it's pretty fucking wild. Um, it's in there like they're just about to put out Piano Island era. Um, there's a lot of them doing like goofy, groovy shit, and then just being a hardcore band. Um, there's an amazing Melt Banana cover of um, We Will Rock You, which is mostly them just doing the song as is, and then there's just like a bonkers Melt Banana solo at the end. Okay. Um, yeah, the locust is on it. Um, lots of, lots of really cool stuff. I think there's covers on it that I don't love, but I think that everything on the record is interesting. Um, and I, this might be my favorite track on the record. Um, I do really, I forget what band does it, but there's a great cover of, um, um, oh, Jesus Christ. What's it called? Uh, death on two legs. Um, uh, one of my favorite Queen songs, but this is a really cool cover. I love when that like dirty organ tone comes in. Oh baby, yeah, this was a this is a really neat arrangement, and I like the piano playing. Yeah, <coughs> yeah, I think I think this is a really fucking cool track. And like I was saying to Valentine, um, like this is kind of the record that like um was like a connect the dots moment for my brain where uh like i had always loved queen um or i discovered queen as a as a young adult but um and thought in my brain that there was some kind of connection between like queen and like hardcore uh but could never totally figure it out um until i actually don't really know what the connection is still but i think knowing that there is like this amazing album of just like people doing like the most like whacked out shit on queen songs, uh, makes me feel validated. Yeah. Maybe you're also thinking of the between the buried and me cover of bicycle race from uh, the covers album. I have not heard that, but I absolutely want to. Oh, that's great. Uh, I I'll think that's you, the one they do. Tell you what, Mark, uh, having been in a queen cover band, um, uh, bicycle race, is a really fucking hard song yeah i believe it uh and also the lyrics are bonkers uh i like it when he says and i don't like star wars (laughs) yes star wars sucks freddie mercury you stick it to him buddy um yeah no i haven't heard that cover that sounds really cool though yeah uh any other cool covers you want to shout out um in in general yeah i don't know oh yeah sure i think the uh the yes cover of simon and garfunkel's america is really fucking cool great um um ajj has a good cover of candy jail by the silver jews um speaking of queen i think weird al's cover not a parody it's a cover of bohemian rhapsody i think is great (laughs) i bet that's great uh have you heard it uh no i don't think so how much accordion is there 
a lot. I mean, so it's Great. on the album Alapalooza, um, okay. which is the one where he does like, um, you know, Jurassic Park. Um, yep. It instead of having like the usual kind of like polka medley, at the end it's called Bohemian Polka, but it's just that like it's just bohemian rhapsody as a polka uh like okay. in full great uh love it and they're including a very great like hey 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 before the i'm just a poor boy <laughs> beautiful um so yeah um other covers that i like maybe I mean, that's the connection with of queen and hardcore for you is weird <laughs> the <out>. hey 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 <laughs> the weird <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean maybe you never know um i was gonna say uh, we were talking about other covers i think all the cat power covers albums are all very good uh do you like mm. cat power mark uh i do uh i think uh the greatest is that an album yeah 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 that's the one i like um she has a new covers album coming out or is maybe already out i'm not sure um but it, and I think that you will care zero about this, but um, it's her doing the entire Bob Dylan Albert Hall concert. Okay. Um, what I think is such a great idea, and she's doing a tour of it. I think she's going to play at Albert Hall, which I think is awesome. That is cool. Um, so that's what it's called, Albert Hall, right? That that that's a very convincing sounding name of a place that uh, music could happen um do you know the story do you know why this is important mark no albert hall i do not oh this is uh this is the concert where uh dylan does it in two sets and the first set is like him doing like folk singer stuff and then he comes out with a band and it's electric uh this is like the famous Dylan goes electric concert. Okay, it was like the first time. Yeah, yeah, and there's the the, the famous recording of them doing uh, like a Rolling Stone where uh, everybody's like heckling him, like the audience is like screaming at him, and you can hear uh, somebody in the crowd yell Judas, um, and then you can hear uh, Dylan say something like "fuck these motherfuckers" or something, <laughs> and then they play like a Rolling Stone. Um, Mark. Yes. Next, we have uh, next we have uh, has he got a friend for me uh, from Richard and Linda Thompson's albums uh, album. I want to see the bright lights tonight.
Tell me, tell me about this song, Mark. Uh, so, I don't remember how I got into Richard and Linda Thompson. Um, other than like Richard Thompson is famous in guitar world. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, this was an album that I got really into uh, in college. Uh, you know. At that time of life, when you uh, when you maybe start uh, really leaning into feeling sad, hmm. Um, this is a uh, pretty, you know, a gorgeous but uh, miserable album. Uh, and I think uh, this has always been my favorite song. Um, I prefer Linda's singing to Richards. Mm-hmm. And um, this one's just so beautiful. Uh, I don't know if you've uh, encountered this phenomenon, but there have been various times in my life when, you know, it would seem that uh, my entire social group is coupled up except for me. No, I'm, I've never experienced that, Mark. That's not a thing I'm thinking about constantly right now. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, lyrically, this... The song, you know, can really, really resonate with someone who's feeling that way or going, experiencing that. Yeah, totally. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, how do you, how, what do you think of this song? Oh, I like this what song. What did it do to you? Uh, <laughs> how, how sad did it make you? Um, I mean, I t- to be honest, I don't know if I could get much sadder than I have been lately. So, uh, you know, throw whatever you want at me. Um, I like this song. I do. I have heard this record before, um, but it's been some time, and I think that my I was not ready for it, or like I wasn't in the right part of my life to enjoy this song. I think. Or enjoy this record in a way that would like last. I I listening to it again today. I was like, oh, this fucks. This is like everything I need right now. Um, but uh, your or my version of I'm at an age where I'm getting really sad all the time. Uh, which age is that? Most of them, am I right? Uh, but uh, the specific age that you were discussing is when I got really into the Silver Jews. So, uh-huh. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this this whole album, I think, is so great. And they have two more albums together. And mm-hmm. neither one has the same magic to me. And mm-hmm. I don't know why. Um, like, the, th- the third one is pretty, like, kind of out there. Um, the second one is kind of, kind of seems like it's trying to be the same thing, but just doesn't, I don't know, nothing hooked me. Yeah. To the level that many of the songs on this album immediately got stuck in my head. Um, yeah, I haven't listened. This is the only album of theirs that I've listened to. Um, so I gotta, I gotta solve that in my life. Are you a Fairpoint Convention fan, Mark? Uh, not at all. Okay. Uh, Fairport Convention. Fair. Uh, that's exactly what I said. Yeah. <laughs> I just, you know, it's because I always have Connecticut on the mind. Oh, that's Fairfield. I'm really fucking up tonight. Yeah, Fairpoint was like a, an internet, a cable, or like a DSL <laughs> internet provider. That's, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Maybe only in New England. Yeah. Yeah. Totally only in New England. Um, yeah. yeah, no, I never, I never get into Fairport Convention. Um, but that is where Richard Thompson originally got famous. Right. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't have a lot to say about the song. It's just, it's really sad and uh, uh, made made me sad. Yeah, I really, uh, I think there's. I've never like sat down and figured it out, but I think there's interesting chord progressions happening here. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, this, this whole album is like really good. Like, um, I don't know. The guitar, it's, I don't have good words for Richard Thompson's guitar playing, but it's like so tasty. Tasty. I guess maybe is something that you would say. Yeah, I think like at the very least, and you know, I don't know this song well enough to like really speak to it um on that level, but at the very least I think like the way he's like articulating chords is like interesting. Yeah. And it's like you know, a lot of times uh if someone's playing is perhaps described as understated, um, that description is uh, providing cover for that person not being very good. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But I think, I think uh, his guitar playing on this album is like very nicely understated in a way that I like. Didn't expect going in knowing his reputation as a guitar player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense, Mark. Um, there are some fun jaunty songs. If this one's too sad for you, <laughs> what's um, what's your favorite jaunty song on this album, Mark? Um, I think probably uh, "Little Beggar Girl." Mm-hmm. That's a good jaunty one. Um, the jaunty ones are also sad in their uh, lyrical content, of course, but um, they are jaunty. And that that's very important for British music sometimes. <laughs> um, 
They uh Oh, they they're divorced. That's sad. Yeah, they like I think they were like very much on the outs by the time their third album came out. And that and that one is just like so bleak. That's so sad. And not jaunty at all. Um is that shoot out the lights? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's a bummer. Yeah, and it even like you can tell, you know, even in this song, um or not in this song, this album. Uh oh crap, what's that song called? There's a song that that Richard sings that's like a song to their about to be born child. Uh the end of the rainbow that's just like so <laughs> hopeless. Great title, baby. <laughs> Um, all right, Mark, what song is next? Uh, don't tell me. That's right. It's the Pennsylvania Rock Oil Company resignation letter by our friend Matthew Friedberger.
I like this song a lot. Um, uh, Mark, I'm going to guess you had never heard this. I have never consciously listened to it, but I like it seems like a song that I've heard before. Sure. And I don't know if that's just because it like sounds so much like an island song. Oh, I, you know, I guess it does sound like an island song, doesn't it? To the point where I was like looking to see if it was Nick from Island singing on this song. Oh, interesting. Because I don't know Matt Freebrewer's voice at all. Yeah. Well, now you know his voice. Um, <laughs> sorry, that was that was so fucking rude. What I just did. Uh, I was I'm an asshole. But yeah, it's like it's like an island song with like uh, you know, with a bunch of experimental synths that didn't get mixed out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so this is like, so let's talk about Matthew Friedberger. So on our last episode, I chose an Eleanor Friedberger song. Uh, Now we're talking Matthew Friedberger. So these two were uh, the brother-sister duo of um, one of my very all-time favorite bands, the Fiery Furnaces. Um, And this is part of a double album that he put out um, called Winter Women slash Holy Ghost Language School. Um, This is on the... Uh, the winter women side, um, if that matters. Um, and uh, something to uh, make your mind real, uh, just in terms of how much this motherfucker was working, is I'm just, I want to pull up the actual years real quick. Um, but so this double album, um, and honestly, like if we're, if we're being real, just like, as a single, like if this was one single album, it's still like packed full of stuff. Um, but in, yeah, okay. Uh, in 2004, uh, the Fiery Furnaces, no, okay, let's just do the whole thing. In 2003, we got a full length. 2004, we have a double album. 2004, we have another album. Um, 2005 we have uh their concept album that is done with their grandmother 2006 a double album uh 2006 his solo double album (laughs) 2007 what another double album (laughs) 2008 a triple live record (laughs) um uh 2011 has eight solo albums (laughs) um i just always like pointing that out because uh i like people who arguably write too much Yeah, I uh, famously like people who uh, are brutal in their self-editing. <laughs> yeah, um, I will. So, like, I like I like this song on a songwriting level. Like, I I think it's catchy and interesting. Um, and I have always been like a big fan of his lyrics because they just they get so like goofy and specific. Um, uh, like he finds a way to sing the title of the song, which again is the Pennsylvania rock oil company resignation letter. Um, so I think that's really fun, but I also, uh, love the specificity of the electronics, like throughout the whole thing, like, um, just listening, like throughout both of these, those double records and like a lot of the fiery furnaces stuff, like listening to his like drum machine production. Um, it's never just like, here's the beat. Um, it's like, almost every measure has a different thing happening and I never find it distracting, but I could also see a very fair argument for why it might feel overstuffed. (laughs) 
yeah, I mean, I wasn't, I was never unhappy with the amount of stuff going on. I was just never quite grabbed by anything. Yeah. Um, well, what are you going to do, Mark? Not listen to that song again. Perhaps. <laughs> oh, I'll probably hear it a couple more times. Yeah, that's yeah, it's possible. Um, but yeah, I'm a big, uh, a big fan of this dude. Uh, I think all of his solo material is at least extremely interesting. Um, yeah, I'm not uninterested in the fiery furnaces after hearing these two solo songs. Yeah, so you've possibly never listened to the fiery furnaces. I don't think so. No. Okay. Um, I think this one escaped my. My late aughts indie explorations. Sure. Um, yeah, I think this. I, I realized I maybe talked about them not that much on the podcast. Um, uh, is that true? They've come up some. Okay. Well, I'm a very big fan about of this band. I wrote my college thesis about their album "Rehearsing My Choir." Um, I have a big ass fucking bitter tea tattoo. Um, so I like this band a lot. Um, and the thing that's really interesting about them, Mark, uh, we may have talked about this before, but like their first record, Gallows Bird Bark, um, is kind of in like a white stripes, garage rocky, but like weird <coughs> world. Um, and I'm specifically mentioning the white stripes because part of the Fiery Furnace's like initial press like a claim or whatever is people saying like, well, it's a brother sister duo, which obviously the white stripes weren't a brother sister duo, but that was the, you know, people got confused. Right. Um, so, but, uh, then immediately the fire furnaces get deeply fucking weird. Uh, like their second album is, um, so many synthesizers and drum machines. Um, and like, again, like him just being like, what if every weird sound I could possibly make was spread out across two, LPs. That totally makes sense as a band that you would like. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, let's see. So they make a bunch of weirdo synth shit for a bunch of records, and it's all great. And then their last album, um, which is called I'm Going Away, uh, is um, like all like piano, bass, and drums. And uh, very kind of like chill... Hmm indie rock stuff my mom has listened to that album and said that she likes it except for quote the noisy guitar solos um do you have a favorite album um well i was thinking i knew you were gonna ask that and i was thinking hard about it because i think um i think every record kind of has drawbacks um i think that you might be into an album called widow city okay um but yeah, uh, my favorite album is Bitter Tea. All right. Uh, it's very good. Uh, if Again, if you can find Bitter Tea on vinyl, um, the the sleeve, like the outer sleeve, is an origami like cutout, so you have to like unfold it to get to the record. It's really cool. Um, I'm seeing a lot of... Uh, influence in how you title cheap city songs hundred percent this track listening absolutely which which record are you looking at widow city uh widow city and bitter tea yeah totally i'm just kind of 
scrolling through both. Yeah, no, this band is so baked into my DNA. Um, to the point where there is some piano stuff that I do that I'm sometimes embarrassed about because it is so fiery furnaces. I don't think you need to be embarrassed about that. Thank you, Mark. Mark, what song's next? Um. All right. Uh, next up, we have uh, uh, my favorite song by my favorite band. Uh, it's Two Owls by Pamola.
about Pomola, Mark? Uh, so Pomola is uh, a band from Pittsfield, Maine. Uh, that consisted of a uh, previous Song Sandwich guest, Matt Houston, uh, future Song Sandwich guest, Jonathan Downs, uh, my uh, current collaborator, Billy Carr, and uh, a wonderful drummer named Shane Huffer. Um, they, uh, before they were in Pomola, they were in a band called Shroot. Or, I guess, the same band. They used to call themselves Shroot, as in the Office character. And uh, one day, maybe in, like, 2008, they sent uh, my band, Eyes Like Fire, a MySpace message. And were like, hey, you guys are really cool. Um, and I went and looked at their page, and there was one recording, and it was, like, weird ska. And I was like, I'm not responding to this. <laughs> <laughs> and then like uh, a year and a half later uh, um, one of their guitar players uh, became my friend at USM and uh, he encouraged me to check out his band Pomola and I did and I was blown away uh, I've shared their first album with you privately yes um and I, they're just like a perfect math rock band. Um, you know, on on the part one of the top twenty, we talked about uh, in the arms of Providence and how that was sort of like a an eye opening band in terms of like possibilities that I wanted to explore in music. And uh, Pomola was very much the same thing for me, mm -hmm. uh, like bridging from post-hardcore into like proggier noisier uh, territory yeah um i so you had shared a google drive folder with me don't tell anyone uh and i had previously listened to all of the stuff that was in there um uh, but this song hadn't caught my attention at that time. Probably because I was just kind of passively listening, like not as intently as maybe I should. But uh, this song is very cool. Um, I'm into like kind of like rhythmic noisiness like this. Yeah. Um, and it's also very tight, which obviously I like. Yeah. Um, I think the reason that I picked this song uh, is that um, I was, for a couple of months, I was the drummer in Pomola uh, when the original drummer went away to college. Oh, okay. And then dropped out of college and came home. And there was no need for me to be the drummer anymore. Uh, that was a little sad. But um, this song was the most fun to drum because there was, like, so much... Um, there was so like dramatic tension as to whether I was going to fuck up the sequence of hits at the beginning mm -hmm. where it's like going one, two, three, three, two, one, two, three, three, two, one. Right. Um, <clears throat> but it's so much fun to, to play. Um, I love the way that uh, Matt is able to like find a beautiful melody in, 
a totally gnarly set of chords. Yeah, absolutely. That's kind of like the the hallmark of Pomola to me. Mm-hmm. Like the thing that makes it all come together is that he like finds finds a beautiful melody somewhere. Yeah, among this just a kind of like harmonic weirdness. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I I called him my favorite songwriter alive when he was on the pod, and I meant it. Oh, I love that, Mark. I could have chosen any number of songs written by Matt over any number of years for this spot, but uh, Pomola was my favorite band from, like, the moment that I first saw them until they broke up. I'm a... Happy that I'm share, getting to share them with the world because, oh. you know, very few people uh, knew about them. Right. The, by the way, the YouTube link you sent me is who, do you know who uploaded it? Because they have like a ton of subscribers. Uh, no, we have, uh, we have no idea who uploaded it. That is not the, uh, the album art for the Moon Landing EP. <laughs> um, do you know what a, a Moon Landing is? Um, apparently not because it, I, well, unless it's, it, is it not when you land on the moon? A moon landing is when, uh, two people, uh, moon, you know, I guess an audience in this case. Okay. Uh, and then, uh, touch butt cheeks. <laughs> wow. And so that was a thing that they would do on stage sometimes, or like there was a joke about them doing it and, uh. The legend is that they were they played a, a hardcore show at like the the Westbrook Grange Hall and uh someone got the whole crowd chanting land 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 <laughs> and then and then they did it and like <laughs> the crowd was not happy when they realized what they had been cheering for <laughs> uh that's so fucking funny i love that um mark you know what i learned recently uh do you know what docking is uh yes oh, okay cool we don't have to talk about it i just wanted to share that i learned yeah, that recently let's not okay cool <laughs> i just wanted to share <laughs> you know yeah um but yeah uh pomola rules you should listen to pomola um did if you can find it which you can't so i guess you should message me and ask me for the recordings of pomola so you can listen to them (laughs) why aren't these clowns getting the getting on Bandcamp or whatever um i don't know maybe actually this this ep is probably on matt's Bandcamp. okay uh if you rough draft records on Bandcamp. Okay. Can, I'm sure you could find this along with uh, great other stuff of that era. Um, there's a wonderful video. Um, do you know Mike Kinane? Um, that name is familiar. I don't, I don't know if I know him. Uh, played drums in HUAC, uh, plays bass in Ocelot now. Uh, okay, yeah. I mean, we've, I'm sure we've like seen each other before. Yeah. Um, he... Uh, during the Poland Street era, he brought a like video camera to many, many, many shows, mm-hmm. and uh, he has a, a YouTube channel that's uh, like 
Ponytail Jones 1982. That is just a fantastic uh, document of like Portland, Maine rock and roll from like 2011 to 2014, maybe. Oh shit, that rules! I um, I love when people do that. And there's a really uh, there's a really great video of the first performance of a Pomola song that was never recorded called Chicken Little. Uh-huh. Uh huh. That uh, if you if you type Pomola Chicken Little into YouTube, it'll come up. And okay. That's, uh, that's my other favorite Pomola song. Cool. Um, to the point that I have uh, key shifted it and stolen the intro for. Uh, <laughs> one of my new songs <laughs> that's how you do it baby because yeah this is um you know this solo album that i've been talking about working on for many months now is you know mostly uh references to earlier music that i was involved in oh i like that and it's a lot of fun i'm so excited to hear it whenever it's ready yeah yeah drummers Get at me. Yeah. Main bass drummers. All right, you want to talk about the next song? I need you. Uh, yeah. All right. Um, this is called Oh Lonely Fortress by Buried Beds. There's always been a buzz. The locusts swarming up from underneath our guilty feet. A giant underground. With a castle for a crown and ancient fast to see There's a voice in our ear And a crack in the mirror A passage left out of the song
band that I think is kind of underheard, um, but I think is very good. Yeah, tell me about Barry Beds. I, all I know is that their guitar player joined me without you. Yeah, yeah. So the way that I discovered this band was, uh, as I've talked about before, um, I was a big Me Without You fan and saw them many, many times uh, throughout their career. Um, but uh, there was one summer in particular, or it's probably two years, where I want to say I saw them like seven or eight times in the course of like 12 months. Um, and throughout all of that, they were, uh, Me Without You was on tour with a band called Buried Beds, who are also from Philadelphia. Um, and yeah, their guitarist uh, ends up uh, being the second guitarist in Me Without You a little bit later. Um, and at one point when I saw, I think the first time I saw them together, he wasn't playing in Me Without You also, but then eventually he was. So he was like doing double duty. Um, and yeah, Buried Beds is fantastic. Um, and just like, like really good indie band, uh, great vocals, lots of cool harmonies. They have a viola. I have, th- some thoughts about viola in rock music. Um, and I think they use viola like really fantastically. Um, and, uh, like really interesting songwriting. Like I always think about their song structures are always like, um, kind of like freewheeling and meandering, um, in a really interesting way, but is never, um, like it somehow feels like there's like a really strong foundation to all the songs. Um, yeah, I think this band is great. Did you like this Mark? Yeah, I think this was my favorite song of of your five songs yeah. this time around. Um, this is like in the realm of stuff that I would have listened to uh, in, you know, 2007, 2008. Totally. And I would have been happy about all the vocal harmonies and the the nice arrangement. Sometimes I, there's like a, you know, this, a lot of this song is like going like major one, minor six, yeah. back and forth. And I found myself like oftentimes wishing that we went to something else after that minor six chord. Um, but that's like the only complaint that stuck with me. Sure. Um, um yeah, I think uh in my brain like I this is a song that like I'm aware has like on a like global level like limited harmonic material but the I think the arrangement is so interesting that I never particularly notice. Um Yeah, it's kind of like a Fleet Foxes phenomenon. Yeah, totally. Um something that uh I was looking for it on online earlier today and I don't know if it exists anymore but i believe i own it um physically but they um had done like this kind of ep um that like if you bought it physically it was like a cd and then there's a dvd of them playing a bunch of songs acoustic um in like different places in philadelphia is like a nice little kind of like short film in that way um but uh, they don't do this song, but there are other songs on this record that they do acoustic that is like really, really interesting and fun. Um, so I think this is a great band. Uh, they're, the other singer, um, what's her name? Elizabeth, I think, um, is the touring keyboard player now for uh, Grace Potter. Cool. So, yeah, I don't know. I like this band. Uh, this record's good. The other full length is good, too. Um, 
I, I wish I had listened to this song more and had a little more to say about it because it's, you know, it is interesting. I feel like it's a, one of the more interesting arrangements of the songs that you picked. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, I think so. Um, oh, you know, so uh, here's what I can talk about for a minute. Um, the um, I mentioned uh, earlier, like really kind of offhand, like I have thoughts about viola and rock music, and not that that like shows up a lot, but sometimes I think like, I mean, this is like a composition thing too, but like viola has this really specific timbre and like range that um, often gets misused where people are just like, it's a violin that can like play low, um, which is not really like what it is. Like it's its own thing. And I, a thing that I love about buried beds is that um, like they have thought about the arrangement in a way that like allows the viola to be featured um, they're not using it like a lead guitar. They're not using it like a violin. Like it exists like in a specifically viola space. Um, and it's really smart because she can like very easily be like a harmonic um, like support. Um, or she can be like a kind of like a mid range lead. Uh, and I think everybody like knows how to like make her fit into the texture really well. That's the thing that I love about this band is I think the viola is used very well. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I think of everything that you brought today, I'm the most excited to listen to more of this. Hell yeah, yeah, this is a good record. Um, and yeah, no, I keep talking about vinyl. I don't own this, and I'm annoyed about it. And uh, it's it seems to be like a little hard to find. Um, but uh, I'll tell you what, I'm gonna get this fucking guy on the podcast, and I'm gonna say, "Get me a fucking record, dude. I know you got him." So that's my plan. <laughs> yeah, that should be uh that should be how you open the the email to get him to come in on the pot. Give me a fucking record. Um cool. All right. Last song, last dance. All right, last song. Um uh so we've uh today we've been talking about uh, songs that I, uh, songs and artists that I grew to love when I was in college. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, uh, in college, I studied uh, jazz guitar performance. And uh, before deciding to study that, I had zero relationship to jazz. Um, but, you know, sometimes uh circumstances force you to learn a lot about a thing that you know nothing about and so i became a jazz head and uh i think by far my favorite jazz artist is cannonball adderley Mm -hmm. um and this uh this song uh the sticks from the album mercy 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 uh is my favorite uh cannonball adderley saxophone
That's called the sticks, ladies and gentlemen, the sticks. Thank you very much. And it's just, it's just got so much uh, joy and spunk. Yeah. Uh, I think it's impossible to feel bad while listening to this. <laughs> I totally agree with you. <laughs> um, also, I think the way in which this recording makes the audience like a vital part of the texture yeah. is so cool. Um, one of the YouTube comments I saw when I was listening to this, uh, said, uh, may Cannonball Adderley rest in peace. Just wanted to share that. Uh, is Cannonball Adderley dead? I feel like I don't know that. I, I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> I, I just assumed that he is. Uh, yeah, he died in 1975. Oh, okay. okay. That's a shame. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That sounded so dismissive. I didn't mean for it to sound mean, but I guess it did. Um, yeah. Uh, what What is it specifically about Cannonball Adderley that you like? Um, he's he's just like effortlessly melodic. Um, a lot of jazz, you know, a lot of jazz greats can be like ponderous and uh dense and uh flatly unfun to listen to uh um looking straight at you john coltrane um (laughs) (laughs) mark's coming for john coltrane on the pod fucked up i think uh cannonball adderley's uh r&b roots uh keep him pretty firmly planted in the direction of like melodious joy yeah and he's just like you know really wailing on that thing (laughs) yeah and uh it's just so good i i also really love uh his album with bill evans uh what's that one called uh i think it's called know what i mean oh cool i don't know that one uh it's great great combo of two of the best yeah um yeah, I've never had a big cannonball phase, but I would like to. Um I do own a Nat Adderley record that I think is not that great. Yeah, Nat is not uh particularly special to me. Um, you know, this <laughs> it's a fine it's a fine trumpet solo, but I am waiting for what I know comes after it the whole time. Yeah, 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 totally. I also I also think that I'm just uh the range of the alto saxophone is just like uh slightly goofier sounding than a tenor saxophone. Yeah. In a way that like really um brings the joy back into jazz. Um okay, I I I get that. I, I, it's, it, uh, that doesn't ring true for my experience, but I'm not trying to invalidate yours, Mark, because I love you. Okay. <laughs> you know, I, okay. uh, uh, what, what do you find not joyous about the, the alto saxophone? Oh, well, no, it's not, not th- it's not that I don't find it joyous, but I, I, uh, um, 
I guess I still prefer the kind of moodiness of the tenor versus the goofiness of the alto. And look who that's coming from. Because usually my impetus for doing anything is, is it goofy or not? Yeah, I think there's there's also some like some like jazz school politics to it where like tenor is more like somehow more legit and serious. Yeah, cuz then you're like in an that introspective setting. artist, yeah. Um and so maybe that is uh why I feel the way I do about the tooth those two saxophones like tenor is the least goofy saxophone to me um like baritone is obviously like goofy in a great way soprano is obviously goofy in a why aren't you playing clarinet way yeah um, um <laughs> i uh a couple of weeks ago i saw the violent femmes um yeah and they had a bass saxophone player <laughs> okay sick um which was like fucking rad like more power to you dude but also um, imagine how expensive it is to rent a bass saxophone and then take it on tour. <laughs> yeah, that's a big, big thing to lug around. Yeah. Um, I guess that's what you get when you're in the bass world is you gotta, <laughs> you got bigger stuff to care. <laughs> but like th- the really baffling thing to me about that, um, is that like this guy was also sometimes playing Barry. And I was like, you could just play Barry the whole time. Because, like, we're at, like, a rock club. Like, nobody is, like, really kind of picking up on the the subtleties of what the bass saxophone can do right now. <laughs> yeah. So, you know. Uh, but, yeah. So, I wanted, you know, I needed a song for my my time as a, as a jazz student and, uh, uh, you know, not not particularly successful jazz musician, and uh, it was either this or like a fifteen minute long Thelonious Monk song. So, sure, uh, I decided to keep it short and sweet. Um, do, can, can, uh, how many uh, Cannonball Adderley uh, nicknames do you know? Uh, <laughs> Only, only the cannonball one. Um, uh, what other ones are there? Okay, well, <laughs> there's a few, and they're all good. Okay, here we go. We gotta regain my composure. Uh, Clover is failing to regain her composure. <laughs> I held it together for so long during this episode. I've been drunk for the past 90 minutes. <laughs> okay. So, number one. Is <laughs> it's Big Man. But okay. that's in quotes. Big Man. <laughs> okay. Yep. I think he's uh, fairly short by my understanding of things. Okay. Are there more? Oh, there's more, baby. There's four more. Um, I swear to God, I'm gonna... 
I'm so sorry, Mark. Okay. At this point, I'm going to text them to you. You're going to have to read them. Because... <laughs> Okay. <laughs> what if you don't think these are <laughs> Okay, two of these are very funny and two of them are pretty normal. Um so um Glenn Prescott and Ronnie Peters seem more like fake names that he used to check into hotels than right. names. <laughs> but then we've got a uh, Judd Brotherly <laughs> which I I would maybe expect to be a a different kind of musician. Um but then the best one is a uh, Buckshot Lafunk. Oh, you think it's funk or funk? I don't know. <laughs> I, I think, think it's my, definitely um, Buckshot LaFunk. I think it's my my brain wanted to say it Funke like an Arrested Development. Oh yeah, sure. Um, you heard it here first, folks. An upcoming Cheap City song is definitely <laughs> <laughs> Buckshot LaFunk. <laughs> Does Tony have an alto? I know what Paul does. <laughs> okay, great. Um, ooh, okay, uh, we got to get through this. Um, I got to get through this. Um, well, well, we're at the end. We did it. <laughs> we each did five songs. <laughs> um, <laughs> Anything you want to shout out as almost making this part of your list? Uh, oh, uh, I, you know, I'm annoyed I didn't do a Fiery Furnaces song, even though we did the two siblings. Um, I don't know why I didn't do anything by Fucked Up. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, I didn't do any Mingus. Like, what's wrong with me? Uh, anyway, I think Buckshot LaFuck is like a, uh, he kind of has like a, uh, Louisiana Southern Gentleman kind of vibe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, for sure. We gotta. I gotta write that down before I forget it, because you know, <laughs> if it's not written down, then it's. Uh, I'm just on to the next thing. Cool. Uh, anything that you want to shout out, Mark? Um, you know, in the uh, in the Richard and Linda Thompson spot, there were a lot of, uh, like uh sad folk adjacent things i was thinking about there could have been a bonnie prince billy song there uh that could have been a mountain goat song if i hadn't already gotten most of my mountain goats thoughts out on previous episodes sure i didn't know that you like bonnie prince billy oh yeah i like bonnie prince billy this is a good one yeah um you know the jazz could have been thelonious monk could have been uh I'm blanking on the name of the other person it could have been, so never mind. Okay. Cool. Could have been Joe Henderson. Sure. Could have been Buckshot LaFunk. Could have been Judd Brotherly. Could have been uh Wes Montgomery doing Surrey with the fringe on top. <laughs> right, yeah. You like Oklahoma? Yeah. Um all right, well uh 
thanks for listening. Thanks for doing it. See you yeah. next time. Talking about uh, do you, should we do a little tease about what's what's coming up next time? Oh yeah, um, the tease for next time is we're getting into my R and B phase, <laughs> and uh, we're gonna spend forty five minutes talking about the dream and uh, the lyrical genius that he is. Oh, okay, cool. And uh, on on my side, we've got. Uh, you know, a goofy organ dance band. We got uh, some cool post-punk. Uh, very cool band from Sweden. Um, uh, and, you know, one of my favorite songs that uh, multiple to- people have told me uh, is deeply annoying. So, uh, <laughs> strap it. I can't wait to figure out which one that is.